What is conscience? How can we describe our experience of having a conscience in a way that makes it more real to us, that makes us realize what it is and what it is not? Let us try and put our understanding of conscience into plain words. Our conscience can be seen as our awareness of who we really are when we feel fully and happily ourselves. It is a sense of joyous conviction that we are being true to ourselves. We are doing what is good and right for us and not doing what is bad and wrong for us. When we do right, we are rightly ourselves. If we do wrong, we wrong ourselves. It is as simple and straightforward as that. The question before us is always, is the way we behave true to who we really feel we are and should be or not? Does the kind of behavior affirm or damage the dignity of our person? If such a behavior or way of life is unacceptable to us, should we continue to live like that or change our ways and be done with such behavior once and for all? Through our conscience, we are kept on the right path. We constantly hear the voice, this is the way, walk in it. We feel warned before we are about to go the wrong way and reprimanded and redirected after we have gone astray. We are brought to our senses, back to ourselves again able once again to distinguish between what is genuinely good and acceptable behavior and what is obviously bad and unacceptable behavior. That which goes against the grain of who we sense ourselves to fundamentally be upsets and disturbs us. It is wrong. That which is pleasing, uplifting, wonderful and akin to what we feel ourselves to be fundamentally be is so very right. That is how things should or ought to be. That is what human beings should or ought to be. That is how we should and ought to be if we are to be who we are, a true human being. Let us look at something very important, the question of true or false guilt. The true workings of conscience, as we have described it, differ sharply from a false perception of conscience as something punitive and cruel. Such a false experience or sense of conscience has been best described by the genius of a Sigmund Freud. He named this kind of critical self-awareness 
superego, something superimposed on our normal and healthy sense of conscientiousness. True conscience, according to Frankel, is a consciousness of personal responsibility. The effects of true conscience are freeing and liberating. We are what we are to be fully ourselves. Conscience as a superego, according to Freud, is by contrast a restrictive, inhibiting, and guilt-producing sense of right and wrong, a state of mind that is damaging to ourselves, a view of ourselves that prevents us from being fully ourselves. Freud coined the term superego to describe the critical self-awareness that especially young and susceptible minds develop as a result of strict parental, societal, and religious standards that have been superimposed upon the consciousness of themselves. Whether they are a good or a bad person is dependent on whether they behave according to the dictates of acceptability or unacceptability imposed upon them by others and outside of their own perceptions of who they really are and want to be. If we were raised in an authoritarian way, if we had traumatic experiences with or came under the influence of strict and legalistic authority figures, it would saddle us with a distressing awareness of our faults, failings and shortcomings. A superimposed sense of right and wrong, a punitive type of sin consciousness has nothing to do with freely chosen and therefore authentic or personal convictions of right and wrong. That simply robs us of the knowledge, the true knowledge, of what is right and wrong. Such punitive demands made upon us warp and damage our sense of self. We feel oppressed and imprisoned by feelings of self condemnation. Punitive constraints on how we behave, the exercise of strict control over our behavior, have devastating effects on any real and authentic emergence of our true person. It hides or tramples underfoot who we essentially are, and which Viktor Frankl described as the unscathed human spirit. If we live according to the cruel letter of moral standards imposed upon us and which we have internalized, and not by a life-giving and life-affirming spirit of truly genuine and meaningful living, we place ourselves under constant and critical self-surveillance. And we are never quite sure that we are good or acceptable enough. This brings about a painful self-consciousness, shyness, reticence, and non-assertiveness, or excessive efforts to prove ourselves worthy. But such obsessive efforts never really succeed in convincing us. 
self-doubt remains and still haunts us. We lack any real faith in the worth of our persons and the worthwhileness of our lives. Frankel was highly critical of and opposed to the super-ego conception of conscience. He strongly stated, True conscience has nothing to do with the fearful expectation of punishment. As long as a person is still motivated by either the fear of punishment or hope of reward, or for that matter, by the wish to appease the superego, conscience has not yet had its say. When operating under the heavy yoke of self-imposed standards that make us feel as if we are always falling short, that we never get it quite right, that we fail to be fully acceptable in the eyes of others, we are trapped by self-absorption, an excessive self-concern and hypersensitivity about our own image. We have a painful self-consciousness that makes any open, spontaneous and warm relationship with others difficult and even impossible. We feel reserved, aloof, shut up in ourselves. Such excessive self-concern shuts us off from others. We are simply not there for them. We are caught up in what Frankl described as hyper-reflection. We are obsessively concerned with such questions as, how do I fit in? Am I conforming to the norm? Am I socially acceptable? And if I'm weighed by religious standards, do I make the grade? Hidden in this attitude is the fear of punitive non-acceptance by authorities who have power and influence over us. We go to excessive lengths to please and appease punitive others and to make ourselves acceptable in their eyes. These wasteful, futile and energy-consuming efforts Frankl called hyper-intention. Logotherapy seeks to free us from the demon of self-accusation and to release the angel, the pure and beautiful spirit in us. True conscience acts as a guide, a protector, a comforter, and a sustainer. We seek it. We need to live by it. Within its safe and securing boundaries, we grow and prosper, become all that we can and are meant to be. Conscience is burst in transcendence, Frankel asserted. By this he meant that we feel provoked by, spoken to, and addressed by a loving other, calling out the best in us, inviting and challenging us to be all that we are capable of being. How wonderful! It's a vote of confidence in who we are, a call to become all that we were created to be. 
I want to end by giving you an example of one of our students who, when asked to describe what the difference is between conscience and the superego, answered in the following way. She entitled her writing as The Still Small Voice. Unlike the loud and judgmental voice of the superego, the voice of my conscience is very quiet and acts by inviting rather than demanding. I experience my own conscience in a number of ways. When my conscience invites me to do something, I am aware that a very important choice is being put before me. I know immediately that I am being faced with something that would be a better way of approaching a given situation. I'm also aware that it requires my agreement that this way is right and that I must act on it. I know when I respond positively to the invitation and when I don't. I know when I have gained or lost out, depending on my response. My conscience does not only prompt me to better ways, it also helps me to see when I have spoken or acted in a way that has not been in line with the deeper values I wish to hold. It is gentle with me and provides other opportunities. Not listening to my conscience does not fill me with a sense of guilt or anxiety such as not listening to the superego does, but rather it fills me with a sense of sadness, a sense of loss and remorse. For me, feelings of guilt and anxiety are a good way to gauge whether I am responding to the demands of the superego rather than according to an inner conviction. The superego's demands leaves me feeling trapped, de-energized and resentful. When the superego is in charge, I find myself acting without reflecting and am usually more concerned about what other people think. I fear their disapproval. But when I'm acting out of an inner conviction, I respond rather than react. In this way, I move into a task from a peaceful center and more able to do things lovingly. I am not as concerned about what other people think. When I look back on my life, the times I allowed my superego to rule are the times I stopped living with joy. The times I followed an inner conviction are the times I felt the richness of living.